Bob Belderbos and Julian Sequera started PyBytes a few years ago. They started doing code challenges along with people around the world and writing about it. Then came the Code Challenges platform, where you can do code challenges in the browser and have your answers checked by PyTest tests. That's so cool, but how does it all work? Bob joins me today to go behind the scenes and share the tech stack running PyBytes Code Challenges platform. Thank you to PyCharm for sponsoring this episode. Check them out at testingcode.com slash PyCharm and boost your productivity today. Welcome to Testing Code, a podcast about software development, software testing, and Python. Today on Testing Code, we have the joy of having Bob Belderbos. For people that don't know who you are, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Bob Belderbos. I'm a self-taught programmer since 2009, where I started building websites on the side in PHP. We had the awesome LAMP stack back then. Then I joined Sun and uh, started working in automation, so it was a lot of shell scripts. Then I got into Perl, and that kind of got messy. And then around 2012, I discovered Python, and I never looked back because it was so elegant and a great language to work in, could refactor the code and uh, have a long and happy life. And then I made a transition from the support organization where I was to a professional software developer role in the cloud in Oracle still. I've been there the last two years in charge of payment management product. And now specifically the last six months for the services side. So a lot of Flask and Django API stuff. So that's very interesting. But you and me probably know each other better from uh, PyBytes, which uh, is a blog we started back in 2016 and morphed into a code challenge platform. And yeah, that's the stuff we do on the side, and uh, it's attracting a lot of people. We have a growing community of uh, passionate Pythonistas. If my math is correct, then you started PyBytes before you transitioned to a full-time developer? Yes. Yes, it was It was around the same time. It was December 2016, and professionally, when I got the software developer role, well, I was doing software development, kind of a one-man shop in the, in the support organization. But when I really transitioned into the team, that was April 2017. So that was shortly after. Okay. It wasn't something that the your blogging could have affected your getting the job or not? Or do you think it did? Definitely. Uh, <laughs> when you start blogging about Python, you do learn a lot more. So I did notice that when I was interviewing, uh, that that helped. Yes. It's one of those, if you really want to learn something, teach it. Is that what you're saying? I can subscribe to that, yes. <laughs> well, so the code challenge, PyBytes, I was excited to see you guys doing the uh, the original challenges and writing about it, and that was fun. When you started doing the uh, code challenges platform, that's kind of really fascinating. I'm guessing that not everybody has played with that also, so... How would you describe the Code Challenges platform? Yeah, it's hosted codechallenge.es, and we have something with .es uh, domain names uh, because I'm based in Spain, and Julian is in Australia, and with .au, you cannot get some cool names. So we have pipebit.es is the blog, and codechallenge.es is, is the platform. And as you said, it all started with us doing live, no, not live, like blog code challenges for the community, and then we wanted to have more like an automated way so we could people 
have submit our code and run test in the browser. So we start looking around and actually the, the front end Python clients were not that complete. So we, and I guess we go a bit in the stack later on, but the code challenge platform, uh, just brief summary is an online coding platform where you can code in a browser. There are 208 exercises now. Uh, the tests are pre-written, so you're presented with a code editor, an exercise description, and a set of tests. You code the exercise in the comfort of your browser, you submit it, and the tests are run against your code, and you get a pass or fill, and then you can accumulate scores and belts, and there's gamification. Yeah, it's has uh, come a long way. <laughs> I and it's uh, it's pretty fun. I've been doing it off and on. I don't think I started right away when you did it, but we're doing. I've got a team of people, so we have uh, maybe fifteen people doing it together, and I don't know, maybe half of them are really active in it. But the the option of doing the community thing or a team thing is kind of neat. That's something you added on a little later, right? Yes. First, it was the individual user, and then we got some feedback, and we quickly saw the opportunity for teams to to use it and we we're very excited to have you on and um, you guys did like an exercise a week right uh, and then code and then compare solutions or something is that still no we just sort of are i'll just go around and pester people that i haven't done it for a while <laughs> right it's fun and then you're at recently adding um sort of the same sort of idea but interviewing right so um, instead of a take-home problem it's a place for people to submit uh, code challenges or or little exercises as part of an interview process? Yeah, correct. So it was first stacked on the uh, enterprise tier, but then we went to PyCon and all of a sudden, a lot of people were asking, like, can we use your platform for interviewing? And we kind of had that, but like a bit undersnowed, <laughs> underrepresented. So we made it a whole separate tier. And yes, the recruiter can now go in, add their own bytes, but then we got some feedback like, well, we don't really have time to write bytes. <laughs> so now they can copy our existing exercises and use those for interviewing. So they can send out interview links and the candidates can then code in their own time before even stepping into an interview. So that takes the pressure off and lets people code how they would no normally do it, like without people watching over their shoulders probably and using Stack Overflow. And the interviewer has a submission page and then can do kind of a pre-screening because maybe there are 20 interviewees who have done the exercise via those private interview links and then they can compare all these submissions and yeah, kind of vet people already before interviewing, see if, if, if they can solve the exercise and if the code makes sense. That's pretty neat. I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to use that. I haven't, I haven't needed to hire anybody since you've had that out, but it's a kind of a neat idea. Julian wrote an article on the whole whiteboarding thing, and, and we did a bit of research, and, and it takes a lot of effort and cost to to hire talent. Thank you, PyCharm, for sponsoring this episode. If you use PyCharm already but haven't updated recently, you'll want to try out the new update. The 2019.2 update was released near the end of July, and it's amazing. Something I'm really excited about are the changes to the Jupyter Notebook support. They added more run controls. You can run the current cell, of course, but you can also run and rerun all of the cells. You can also run all the cells above the selected cell or all the cells below it. It's very useful for working on and debugging changes and exploring data. It also looks a bit nicer. I didn't know I needed that little extra space between cells, but now that I have it, I like it. 
More and more work is being done in notebooks in all sorts of fields, and people like me want all of the power of notebooks with all of the power of a great editor. Plus, I like my little editor tweaks and dark background and keyboard shortcuts. I don't want to give those up just to use a notebook. I'm so glad I can create, edit, and run Jupyter Notebooks right in PyCharm. There's also tons of other new features too, so check out the new update. Try the new notebook support and tons of other great productivity-enhancing goodies by going to testandcode.com slash PyCharm before August 30th. This looks complicated. I wouldn't know how to make one of these. Are, how much of the uh, the guts behind what I see on the webpage are you willing to share? What's this built on? Oh, okay. Interesting. So it's uh, a big monolithic app in Django, 2. Dot something pretty new. So it's a Django app. Uh, the front end, we use movie CSS, kind of a bootstrap framework thing. And the code editor you see is ACE, some JavaScript thing. So that's the front end. and But the whole code execution, that's where it gets interesting. Ideally, you don't want to have people <laughs> writing like random code on your server, like you know, from, from a security uh, aspect. Right. But also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, the front end in the browser, Python tools were not really, they didn't support the full standard library or we couldn't get external libraries, uh, obviously. So we needed code execution somewhere else. So we use AWS Lambda as a sandbox to run the user code and get back a result. So what technically works is when the user hits save and run code, the code is saved in a temporary file. The tests are also saved in a temporary file, exposed by an API on the platform. We call AWS Gateway, which then grabs those files, runs the Lambda, and gives back a result. And then the user on the front end sees the pass or fill score etc so yeah it's, it seems like complex and there's a couple of calls but it's you've seen it in action it's actually pretty fast right you get your save and run and you see the response one two seconds most yeah it seems totally reasonable but there are a couple of calls going on actually yeah <laughs> the code isn't running it isn't running on your server and it's not running in the client. It's running on an AWS something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like a separate instance. That's kind of cool. How much of it is, I guess it's hard to estimate, but you're using a lot of pieces that were like Django and other pieces that are off-the-shelf sort of things. Yes. To continue with the deployment, so the app then, the Django app is deployed on Heroku. We use Postgres uh, as a database. We use SendGrid for emailing. Okay. We use Heroku scheduler for cron jobs, like periodic things we need to check, like subscriptions. We use, there are some interesting libraries like DJ database URL for managing databases. Of course, we use requests. We, um, we use even Pillow to generate our certificates because users get certificates after they finish 100 bytes or, or a couple of them. We use Selenium for testing, but I guess we uh, touch upon that later. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's um, all the tests were written in PyTest. I guess we come back on that later as well. And yeah, the important thing, all the exercises and the whole stack runs on uh, Python 3.7 with the exception of Pandas, for which we had to use 3.6 to um, make it work in Lambda, but 3.6 is uh, still pretty new. And we also use uh, a couple of things more, GitHub API, because we started with a GitHub login. And later we implemented a regular login and we use Zapier for integration with some uh, other APIs. That's pretty. And we started using read the docs for the 
documentation. So we're using all kind of, as you say, off-the-shelf stuff, mostly uh, free or, or very reasonably priced. So that's pretty exciting. You said this is hosted on Heroku? Yeah. Neat. We did talk about brush by testing a little bit. So this is a side thing. This is not your day job, right? Yeah, side thing. Yeah. So you can't spend a ton of time on it, or no. maybe you can. But so you, I'm assuming testing is a serious part of this to make sure that you don't have to spend a lot of time debugging. Yes. If you want to make it, let's talk about that. If you want, if you want to make a change, or you're changing something. How do you verify that things are still working? The main test suite is Selenium. So we have a bunch of uh, test cases, which we, if we make major changes, we run. Actually, uh, I can link a YouTube video where you see all those tests running in parallel. You see like 20 terminal, uh, 20 browser windows going through all the stuff. It's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> but yeah, ideally, you want to uh, move a little bit more into unit testing because Selenium tests can be a bit brittle. Like there are some dependencies. We have a bunch of users, uh, for example, and they use GitHub login, as that was our primary authentication system from the start. And and sometimes, you know, GitHub likes to do like an extra verification. I don't know some some security thing, and then your test breaks because <laughs> it's all it's all automated, right? So you cannot just sit there and go to the headless browser and uh, and just quickly click on that button. So it's it's great. Overall, I mean, it's doing a lot of testing, but I want to add some more unit testing to make it faster and, and just test more uh, smaller things. Now, of course, we also do uh, manual testing. If we roll out a new feature, we, we do some quick testing also to get a bit of feel of how the user experience is. But yeah, the main automated thing is Selenium for now. A new feature you're going to both try to do, try to put something into a Selenium as well or some other test, but you're you're manually testing it also, yeah. But then the man, the all of the existing features, you're relying on your test suite to make sure all the existing functionality works. Yeah, there's a lot of regression testing, which is nice and which uh, has saved me a few times. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that is. I was, I guess, I was. Uh, it's unexpected that, that you're using so much Selenium, because, like you said, it making sure all the workflows work and everything is a uh, dependency. If you could stub out the like the login something. For instance, that that could save you quite a bit, right? That's correct. We made fixtures for uh, the whole login thing, and there are some flow that user comes in and accepts GDPR. That's like all in a fixture, so you can just reuse that in every test. So that that definitely saves work. Okay, are you testing the uh, like the database and the back end separate from the front end, or is it? It's just like the if it's through Selenium, you're just testing all of it together. Yes, and it was a bit tricky to get the um, PyTest, Selenium, and database working. And I have to look at the code. I actually do that. and But it, it's not, yeah, I said Selenium. It, most most testing is just like going through the flow and the automated user, so to say, is doing things. And then you just look if the, web, the resulting web page is, is showing what you would expect, right? Which then kind of means that the database is doing its thing, right? Somebody subscribes, you go to the inbox with the welcome message. Well, the fact that the welcome message is there means that, that the whole operation worked, right? Now, are you doing this um, on a just a local computer or are you doing it on a test server, local machine? Yeah, just on, just on my Mac. Okay. And then testing is part of the user experience too. The, the challenges have tests associated with them. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> That's all PyTest. Yeah, and, and I'm thrilled with that. And I've uh, given some feedback to you guys for 
some of the testing. I wanted to thank thank you for the the feedback you have given uh, in the past because we we did improve a couple of tests based on what you told us. One of the fun things is sometimes I look at them and I think, yeah, all three of those could probably just all be one test with parameterization, but it might confuse the user a little bit. We ended up using par parameterize or how it's called quite quite a lot because it's so nice, right? It's uh, taking a lot of repetition away and. Yeah, but it's true. I mean, how would the user perceive it? Yeah. Do you, have you gotten any feedback from anybody about that? Or I remember Julian saying on the show that we get feedback all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't understand this. This test can be written better. So it's kind of a Kaizen thing that we uh, make a lot of improvements as we go. So we're very happy that uh, all the exercises are in a database in one central uh, place where we can edit them. So they're not emailed out. So they're sitting on some in an inbox and you cannot do anything about it. So server side, so whatever we, we update is live on the site in an instant. And yeah, yeah, just um, every day we make tweaks based on feedback, making it better. And a lot of it's description because it's hard to kind of always describe a problem and that people understand it. But some of the changes were also in the tests. Seems like the the all of the pieces getting the like the payment processing and and having users and building up the challenges and all the moving parts seems daunting. What was the hardest thing for you that you didn't expect it to be as hard as it was? That's a good question. It does seem complex. It is complex. I think the hardest thing was to get started, like not over perfecting when you start because. When we started, it was just, we actually started to make some sort of tool around the block challenges. So it was all GitHub login and all focused on how people could pull requests at work and all tailored towards the block challenges. And then, then we kind of organically grew into the whole exercise, plat- uh, the code in the browser thing. Okay. The hardest part, I mean, funny enough, like extending it these days with new features is not that hard. I think if you have your, models in place and like sensible defaults with Django, it becomes easier relatively. So I think the, the initial structure, the initial framework is the hardest. Are you using the uh, the built-in Django ORM? Yes, and it's awesome. <laughs> is there any uh, upcoming features coming in in the code challenges that you can share or that you're excited about? I have to mention what we recently um, launched, rolled out profile pages. So with the recruiter stuff, we also wanted the other party to benefit so the people applying for jobs. So they can have their own profile page where you can see how many points they got, how many bytes they solved. We even have coding calendar. So they kind of bit of like GitHub that you see all the greens on a calendar. So how active somebody is. And so nice profile pages. And last week, learning paths. So we got to 200 exercises. And yeah, a lot of people start to ask like how... How can I learn data science? How can what is what is relevant for OOP, object-oriented programming, or and and we yeah we we just started grouping those bytes together into learning paths with nice badges and stuff, and uh, people are pretty excited uh, about that. Ooh, and of further tier we mentioned that's also fairly new. But yeah, you want to know about the future, of course. The one thing we are now working on is the newbie bytes, which will be a new collection of twenty bytes, because. Some people come into the platform and they have a bit of trouble getting even to the beginner bytes or the intro bytes because of that possibly steep learning curve of a challenge in itself. I mean, going through a description of 20 lines plus 
writing code in a function plus making sense of the PyTest output. So that's kind of a lot of to take in for some newer programmers or people that are just starting out with Python. And you always have to send them away to another resource and that we don't like that. So we, uh, we are bridging that gap now and we're making some very, very simple bytes so that people absolutely new to Python can go through those 20 exercises, which will be way more detailed in the descriptions or really ha- hand-holding and make them ready for for the uh, the serious bytes. So that that's one concrete thing we're working on now. Now, one of the things I'm kind of jealous about that I think is brilliant is you don't actually teach people how to do this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Self-service, right? People can learn by doing the challenges, but you don't have associated resources to say, this is how you learn how to do this. People have to use like Google or whatever to figure out how to get that done. Yes, and some people hate that, right? <laughs> and, and some people love it because they're forced to look at these resources. And yesterday, somebody said like, yeah, that's really what I actually need to learn. As a developer, I, I need to kind of get up to speed with any technology and in, in hitting the ground running. And that's what the platform is teaching me, right? So yeah, that's two sides. I was just thinking that that's definitely a job skill on the job. You're not going to have a, how to solve this problem. You got to figure it out with whatever you've got. Often by yourself, right? Yeah. People are busy and it's just expected of you. I did not know about these learning paths and I'm excited about these. That's brand. It's so cool. We've got like uh data analysis path, object oriented programming, web scraping, Web scraping, that looks fun. Yeah, I was surprised we could even do that. But as we now support external libraries, it turned out that we had a couple of bytes on Beautiful Soup and Request, and yeah, we had the materials. I mean, if we have 200 exercises, it becomes easier <laughs> to... Uh, well, it's a great idea, because like you said, you've got like 200 exercises. Which one should I do? But when you break it into a path, you've only got like, you know, a dozen or so in a certain path. It's not too daunting. Yeah. And another uh, thing I want to uh, put in the bucket of the future or already future in the present is that we're working with a couple of byte authors. So we're not only writing the bytes ourselves anymore because we're spread too thin, as you know, and we don't know everything, of course. We only know uh, our bit of Python. So we're getting some, uh, yeah, more specialties in. Uh, one in particular is network um programming that we don't know anything about but we do want to offer on the platform so we're working with a couple of folks and uh, they're they're adding bytes as well oh that's a great idea yeah cool well thanks so much for coming on and telling us about all this cool resource i'm excited to see where it goes i think it's also an exciting example of what people can do just as a side thing to help out the community this is also an example of look at this and you go oh my god i could never make this but they didn't make it like this to begin with. It started smaller and it's built up over time. So it's cool. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks. We'll talk to you later. All right. Cheers. Thanks to Bob for that fun discussion and for bringing us a cool tool to practice Python. Thank you to PyCharm for supporting the show. Don't forget to go to testandcode.com slash PyCharm before August 30th to get your four-month free trial of PyCharm Pro and get your work done faster with a great editor. That link is also in the show notes at testencode.com slash 83. Thank you also to Patreon supporters. You've been with me through thick and thin, and it means the world to me. That's all for now. Now go out and maybe start something small, release it, and grow your skills with your project like Bob and Julian have. But whatever you do, make sure it's well tested. 
with PyTest, of course.